Hello and welcome to episode 15 of this bonus series in conjunction with Tipperary Midwest Radio. In this episode, Stevie O'Donnell and our own Francis Cockton look back on Rose Green's county junior football title in 2004. This is the West Awake podcast, West Tip Matters. The West's awake, the West's awake. Another goal! And it's Eugene O'Neill has got it! Is by Johnny Ryan. He's one of the two Johnnies playing at midfield today. We're very precise, and Brian Fox with Tipperary's first. This is Tipperary Midwest Radio Sport with Stevie O'Donnell. The real voice of Tipperary. I will now continue with Gaelic Games and today we're concentrating on the 2004 season as Rose Green were crowned Western County Junior A Football Champions. From West Tipperary GAA Board, it's over to you, Francis Coughlin. Hey Stevie, 16th for the CNC Engineering West Junior A Football Championship. Tepper White, Salahed, Rose Green, Rockville Rovers. Along with Arlo, who were West Junior B football champions 12 months previous, and Canodurus Moore, who had dropped down from intermediate. The competition was running around Robin Bases, with the top four contesting the semi finals. Rose Green finished top with full points. On October the 2nd, the first semi finals brought Kappa White and Salahed to Sean Tracy Parr, Kappa White having two points to spare at the full time whistle, 110 to 18. On October 16th, the neighbours Rose Green and Rockford Rovers clashed in Golden in a repeat of the previous year's final. Full time saw Rose Green victorious, 13 points to 1 4. Golden was the venue on October 23rd for the final between defending champions Rose Green and the Capital White side playing in their second final in three seasons. The football may not have been vintage, but there was certainly no shortage of excitement in the gripping game between two evenly matched teams throughout the Nashville. Capo White, without players like Eugene O'Neill and Shane McDermott, had a great start to the goal from Paddy Julian after two minutes. Trevor Downey opened Rose Green's account to the point of three as Capo White led 1-2 to a point after the first quarter. Rose Green were dealt to blow on the 24th minute when TJ Feenan was dismissed for a second yellow card. Rose Green were forced to rejuggle their team, moving players back the field. Lenny Downey to left back, Joe Hennessy to midfield and John Walsh to centre forward. Keppel White led by two at the break, the Rose Green goalie John O'Grady defied Shawnee Ryan just before the whistle. The second half was a tight affair with neither side able to take control. John Mudge pointed to tie up the game for the first time. Keppel White's main threats were Shawnee Ryan and Declan Castro, and the latter pointed a free when the former was fouled. Mark Harnett, now very busy at midfield, tied the game again. Dillock is good for the remaining 10 minutes. And then, as Johnny Ryan initiated the move, Dexon Castle appointed what looked to be a winner for Capo White. Three minutes into injury time, Rose Green got their lifeline when John Walsh kicked an equaliser. The full-time score after 60 minutes won 7 to 10 points. A pre-match pack saw both teams agree to play extra time. Rose Green were now restored to their full complement with the introduction of Frank Cullerton. Paddy Julian pointed in the resumption for Capo White as they now enjoyed a spell of dominance but failed to make this count. Rose Green, a limited possession, tied the game before the half-time whistle through Trevor Downey. 1-8 to 11 points, the scoreboard now read. Joe Hennessy and Pioneers got points in the resumption as Rose Green briefly led for the first time. A replay seemed in the cards as neither side could find the target. But then the dramatic finish. Tom Shelley's dogged persistence created an opening 
as he nudged the ball to the unmarked Trevor Downey, who bowled what would be the winner a minute over time. Trevor Downey finished with 1-8 of Rose Green's final tally. Following the game, Rose Green captain Eddie Walsh received the cup from Westport chairman Billy Ryan and Pat McCormack representing the sponsor CNC Engineering. On October the 30th, Drummond Lynch to Rose Green's opposition for a place in the county final. Drummond Lynch leads into the game with points from Mark Cahill, Emma Buckley and James Kennedy in the opening 12 minutes. Rose Green settled as Drummond Lynch changed from direct football to a close-passing game. Points from Mark Carnot, Joe Hennessy and Trevor Downey tied up the game. Just before half-time, Rose Green got a big break when John Walsh ran onto a broken ball in the Drummond Lynch square to blast an unstoppable goal past goalkeeper Paddy Kennedy. Rose Green ahead of the break, 1-5 to 3 points. Drummond Lynch got a break at the start of the second half when Emma Buckley was dragged down for a penalty. Mark Jordan took the penalty, but his well-hit effort agonisingly wide. Drummond Lynch were dealt a further blow when James Kennedy saw red for an off-the-ball incident by referee Brian Terrell. Three points from Trevor Downey and one from Tom Shelley sealed the win, though it could have been a tighter result. McDara Butler goal for Drummond Lynch on the 30th minute. And John O'Grady stayed well from Jamie Butler in the dying minutes. Rose Green made use of their possession and took their chances to advance by 1-9 to 1-4. Trevor Downey was top scorer with five points for Rose Green. On November the 20th, Rose Green made the journey to Feddard for a meeting with Clonmel Commercials. Improved second half put Commercials back on the brink after a tough battle with Rose Green was the headline of the Nationalists. Conditions were terrible as the rain increased with intensity throughout the game. But both teams offered up plenty of entertainment. Despite Freddie Keddy getting the opening score for commercials, it was Rose Green who dominated, with James Walsh and Mark Harness dominating midfield and providing quality ball for their forwards. Trevor Downey levelled from a base ball and soon delayed by four points to one. Indeed, it could have been more with Tom Shetty and James Walsh tonight goals. Rose Green led six points to two at the break, with Trevor Downey kicking four points. Mark Harnett pointed from an impossible angle early in the second half to send Rose Green further ahead, eight points to two. The last 20 minutes belonged to Carmel as nothing went right for Rose Green, who now saw their long-range passing game intercepted. When Barry Kiley levelled in the 58 minutes, it didn't look good for Rose Green. Commercials could have sold it at the end, but John O'Grady was forced to get on a loose ball and clear the danger. A draw was probably a fair result. Two weeks later, and a week after being defeated in the County Junior B Hurling Championship final, Rose Green returned to Feather for another tilt with Clamel Commercials. Downey inspires Rose Green to historic first county title with the national set line. The Rose Green men bounced back inside the fashion display of grit and determination that proved just too much for a brave commercials challenge. Rose Green might have won the All-Ireland itself, such was the emotion to greet at the final whistle. Trevor Downey orchestrated the Rose Green attack throughout and the shooting for play and place balls was immense. Commercials were two points to the good after seven minutes through Fanny Kelly and Chris Flaherty. Downey got Rose Green off the mark with a point from a place ball, but commercials said three points to one at the end of the first quarter. In the space of minutes, Rose Green were level. John O'Grady was called into action at the far end to make a point bank save to deny a certain goal. Commercials were a point up again and could have built on the lead when O'Grady dropped a Freddie Kelly free and when he specked the goal, a Flaherty kicked wide over his head. Rose Green levelled through another superb free from Downey but untypically missed the next one. O'Grady again came to Rose Green's rescue with another save from Brian Carroll's effort. Commercials led five points to four at the break.
James Walsh pointed almost immediately on the resumption to level and Rose Green never trailed again. Downey kicked him into the lead in the fifth minute with another superb free that lifted his team and their enthusiastic supporters. A goal would now be crucial and commercials nearly got one when Ian Cleary fisted Frenny Kelly's high ball goalward with O'Grady having committed himself and left an open goal but the effort went over the bar. Points from Downey and Eddie Walsh stretched Rose Green's lead to two points for the first time. With a gap of just a minimum, Shelley struck the vital score of the game. Downey sent a high ball into the commercial's defence, which goalkeeper Merton Quinlivan seemed to uncovered. But Tom Shelley got there first to punch the net from close range. Despite vehement protestations from commercial players, referee Dennis Curtin allowed the goal to stand after consulting with his umpires. Rose Green did survive a few anxious moments as commercials pushed for goal, including Frenny Kelly hitting the post. But such was the spirit and determination not to let it slip to carry them through to the finish. Rose Green eventually broke up the field where substitute John Hennessy kicked the insurance point. Full-time score, Rose Green won nine, Camel commercials eight points. Eddie Walsh was a victorious captain who accepted the cup from football board chairman Mick Frawley with Paul Lundingham from sponsor Sidona and John Costigan, the county vice chairman. On December the 11th, Rose Green made the journey to the Stoles for a month of semi-final meeting with Finog of Kerry. The Kerry champions so proved too strong. The independent rush, Kerry senior stars, Damon Fitzmaurice and Paul Gavin, had far too much class with the Tipmen, who were two players, Aidan Lundigan and John Hennessy, sent off by clear referee Rory Hickey in a one-sided second half. In total, there were nine yellow cards, six to Rose Green and three for Finog. Trevor Downey got the Rose Green goal from the penalty spot. And during the week, I caught up with players John Walsh and Mark Harness. I also had a word with Pat Cummins, but we will first hear from the chairman at the time, Michael Fanning. 2004, I think it was our first year, myself and Pat came in. Willie O'Grady and Dennis Mantle were just handed over to us. The club was going well and our footballers were going well at the time. At the start of the championship season, what was your ambition? We had to rectify 2003. We won the West Final in 2003. We were due to play Feathered in the semi-final. It never happened. Why? We had a few injuries. We looked for a postponement. We didn't get it. Why? That question was never answered. But we assumed Feathered would give us a replay. They didn't, so they took the match. And they waited eight weeks for the county final and they got hammered in the county final. So the next year we had a point to prove and we proved it. We'll fast forward into the following season. As you said, you had a point to prove. Was that the drive that we're going to do something special this year? Well, what we had that year, and we never had before since, we had 21 or two players. We always had 12 and three or four lads turning up just to make up the numbers. That year we had five or six subs just as good as the lads around the team. Five of our six backs were under 21, whereas the year before they were too young. So that extra year did stand to us, and we had extra players, so competition for places, and a good training regime. Packy Hellison was trainers at the time, so we were fit and well and ready to go. Having said that, we were lucky enough to win a West Final. We won it in a replay, so it was hard fought. And we won our county final in a replay. So we didn't accidentally win it, we won it the hard way. Mark Harness, you would have been playing in the half-back line. Talk to me about pre-season training. Yeah, pre-season was always tough. Always a tough one to go at. In fairness to Packy, a lot of it was with ball in hand. If it was hurling or football, kicking a football over and back, 
poking the ball over and back. You'd probably run more in them kind of drills than you would if you were sprinting up and down 20 sprints, 100 sprints, whatever it was. So it was a lot of ball at hand work. That's how we got fit for the pre-season, I suppose, or going into it. But a lot of us were young. As Michael said, five of the six backs were under 21. And we had underage, especially in the teams that I played with. I know, obviously, John is a couple of years older than me, but in the teams I played with, we were used to winning. Like, we had played Kappa White, Cashel, all them, all them teams, Bansha, and we'd beaten all them teams. So, and we had a good schools team. A lot of us played on Cash Community School team, which won county A finals. Some of us had played underage for Tipperary. So, we knew what it took to win, and we were fit from that. We brought it in then. We didn't fear anyone, I suppose, especially the younger lads didn't fear anyone. The secretary at the time, Pat Cummins, what did it mean to you, first of all, to win the West? Tremendous pride, as Michael said the previous year, we had to do something in 2004 to get over the line and it was our first county title and bring it back. But my great memories of it was we were involved so much in the Holland that year as well. We got to the county final that we played about eight or nine weeks until Christmas. We were playing every weekend Holland and football. How did you manage that in training then? Brilliant, because uh, somebody from Knockmore said there recently, some clubs fall down that they just train one and, and leave one aside, but they do a bit every night. We've done a bit of football and a bit of hurling, I think, every night. Maybe the Thursday night before, we'd have a hurling or football weekend, we'd concentrate on that particular one and as Mark said there was great buzz at training and we had the crowds and the under 21s it was great to see the young teams come and the one juveniles a mixture of youth and experience would have won that county yeah oh definitely you know you'll win nothing without a few of the outlets like that lad that you'll be talking to in a few minutes but you need that experience you know you won't run out with 15 21s and win a county final you know speaking of that man and that's John Chalky Walsh John you would have been playing on the forward line yeah, I would have probably started full forward all that year. But the replay in the final, Pecky moved me out to number 12. Because that time in the, the final, uh, Paul Scully was in midfield as well. So him and James kind of cancelled each other out. So Pecky wanted another ball winner in a row. There was a bit of cuteness involved in that move, yeah. I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. And plus Mike Mack, I think, was the full back, I think, for commercials that time. And to be honest with you, he kind of got the better of me in the first game. I was struggling all that week with a slight injury. So if he got the better of you in the first game, was your confidence down in? No, he's not afraid of being confident. It was just whatever way the balls were running and the whole... I still managed to score a couple of points. I knew myself I wasn't right and Pecky knew we weren't right. And uh, I think we made a change. I think myself and Eddie Welsh, I think, switched. Eddie went into full forward, I think I remember, and he was a lot more mobile than me. It had actually worked because we got a couple of good scores from the different changes, you know. As Mark said, that year there was an emphasis on the skill set rather than actually running around the field. I think Pecky was probably a little Are bit... Were you happy with the training, John? Did oh, you enjoy the training? I did. There was a huge determination that year because everybody knows the involvement with St. Michael's at the time. And the boys were brilliant all through the, the 90s and the early noughties. But Michael is very diplomatic. The match, if I remember, was fixed for a Saturday. And the week before, it was cancelled to, to a Sunday to bring some of their guys back and play on a Sunday, even though the... West Final and the South Finals have been played on the Saturday all through that year. And I think the sense of injustice probably drove us all and brought on the hurling as well. And there was a togetherness at the start of the season to say, we need to put last year right. And I think for myself personally, I probably put the football and GA for that year, number one for myself. And I suppose for me, ironically, to win the final in Feather, it was even all the more sweeter. Pat, in the West semi-final, you defeated your near neighbours, Rockwell Rovers, 13 points, 2-1-4. Yeah, it was a close battle the previous year. Uh, we beat Rockwell very easily, but that year, I think, uh, in the final, we beat him the previous year. But it, 
that year we had a big battle with him and it was great to you know we were able to get the better of Rockwell during them years and then we'll move on to the final Michael here it was a 112 to 19 victory over Kappa White yeah that was after extra time we played a lot of that match with 14 men why <laughs> That's the meanest question you've ever asked anybody, I've no doubt about it. TJ Feeling, one of our best players ever, he saw red and we hung on against a good Kappa White team that were a senior hurling team and once we got our 15 men for extra time we went on and won the game. We were the best team. We're talking about TJ sending off. He would have been still eligible to play in the county semi-final against Drummond oh, Inch. Oh yeah, he only got two yellows and he was very unlucky to be sent off but it just put us in a tough position for an hour but it brought out the character in the team and our young lads stood up to the mark and scored and scored and Trevor Downey was particularly good and Tom Shelley was always good for a goal and we built on our confidence as we went along and it was character building we have to be grateful to TJ for that. Mark would you agree with that? Yeah I would actually just uh, something that occurred to me there and Trevor will be delighted with this story but uh, I think it was I mean the last about five minutes left of extra time the game was level Trevor was true on goal and I said, just stick it over the bar. And next thing, bang, hits the goal. And I said to him afterwards, why didn't you just stick it over? We would have won the game. We would have got the point. He said, no, I wanted to score a goal. I wanted to get my goal. But that kind of showed you the confidence the team had that we went for the killer when we had to do it. I think we won it by four in the end, I think. All the way through the team, from the older lads to the younger lads, we had great confidence in the team. Great confidence in our own ability as well. And as Michael said, we were playing against senior Hurlers, they were fit, but we were just as fit and probably more skillful than, than them. And that's why what showed, I suppose, in the end. And again, Pat Cummins was really looking forward to the semi-final against Drummond Lynch. Despite what happened the previous year, where after winning two West titles on the trot, you know, and Drummond Lynch, they were more of a Holland club. So we really felt confident that we were going to get to that county final. We needed to get to a county final and the lads training that week. You could see it in the lads that they were going to. You had five pints to spare. We had five pints to spare, just close enough for a while, but we were way the better team, but maybe tiredness too was setting in, you know, it's all the matches and we should have put them away earlier, but we just didn't. John? If I remember, we got off to a good start, actually. Tom Shelley scored a great goal yeah. early in the, and we built up a good lead, but as Pat said, if you remember, Drum and Inch were kind of coming through the ranks at that stage. They were a junior club or maybe intermediate and had started to really go on, but I mean, as Mark said, like, we brought through a load of lads, six or seven lads like were under 21. I mean, myself, TJ and Fitton Ryan, who were, was in around the squad and had played a few games as well, were kind of the link from the 89 team and all good footballers. I mean, going back to Kappa White and they were probably bigger, stronger men, but we were better footballers and we always knew that. And the drive was there to make sure we got back to a county final because there was a sense of hurt from the year before and a sense of injustice. And us back to Michael Fanning once again and I asked him, was it hard to get the players focused for the county final? Well, we were far from confident because we were playing a very good commercials team. They had ex-county senior players, not to mention senior players. Nick Mahon was a great player and they really had good players all over the field. But our hearts were a little bit broken because we had just lost the county final in the hurling the week before. So we were in the doldrums a little bit. So you lost to Kilran in the hurling final. Was it hard to get the boys going again for the football? Because you didn't have much time now. Well, as an ex-player myself, I've never been able to answer the question, is it the will to win or the fear of losing is the worst? So we had just tasted defeat and nobody liked the taste of it. So everyone was 100% determined not to taste it again. That was the driving force. And in that county final, it finished level. Eight pints apiece with Tom Mill commercials. It's back to Pat once again. 
Yeah, I suppose we had a good lead and they clawed it back and it looked like we were going to lose it. Tiredness as well. Commercial is a huge club. Despite it being their second team, they'd still be a very talented team. But we were very lucky to get out of feather that after throwing away that big lead. Mark going on to the replay. Mm-hmm. Were you confident going into the replay? We were confident, yeah, because we knew we had the beatings of them. I think we've all played in games where the tide starts turning and it's very, very hard to turn it back. I think that's what happened in that case. So we didn't score, I don't think, for the last maybe 20 minutes of that game. So I think if we kind of said to ourselves, we play for the 60 minutes, we're going to beat this team. So, But in saying that in the replay, it was real nip and tuck all the way through it up until we got the goal. I think it was in the last maybe five, 10 minutes. I, I'm not too sure. It was towards the end of the game anyway. So it was really, really nip and tuck. But I think we were confident going into the game. But And as well, I think for a lot of us, it was nearly better in some way that we were playing a second team. That we thought, well, look, why shouldn't we be confident? Okay, there were Clambell, but it was Clambell's second team. It would have been nearly worse if we were playing the club's first team because, you know, you'd be like, well, their best players are playing here. But in our minds, definitely in the younger lads' minds, that we were saying, well, look, we're playing a second team here, so why shouldn't we be confident? John, would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. I don't think we played anywhere near where we could on the first day. I think there was another... 20% in us. Even though it was a tough day, conditions were poor and I think, yeah, I think we did lead by five or six points on the day, but some of it too was down to the weather. I mean, you were against the wind and the rain and I mean, Declamel commercials team, they had Blossom Quinn Living playing, they had Franny Kelly playing. Senior football royalty in the county and Mike Mack playing and one or two others throughout the field. They were cute boys, so they, they were never beaten, but I didn't think we had played to our full potential in the game. And I think in fairness, we learned from that in training we did a couple of light sessions in the training but it was more backs and forwards and with me pushed out eddie pushed in different players in different positions do different runs and certainly eddie in full forward he came out even further which left space in behind for the likes of trevor and tom and that's how we got the goal it was a big long ball in from midfield and eddie made the dummy run out and brought the full back with him and i think thomas scored the goal but controversy about the goal. I mean, Blossom being Blossom, he was shouting for everything. He was like, a number. What were they shouting for? Because he was in the box. But he wasn't. He made a great run in. I don't know who put it in, but there was a bit of movement between the whole full forward line that let Tom in that position. He was certainly at least a foot or two outside it. But his momentum brought him in, but the contact was outside. And I think because we changed the run of the forward line, that brought that goal on, you know. Whereas if you had the big men in full forward, it would have been a different ball going in. Matt, talk to me about your defence. Yeah, we defended in numbers. I think it was the thing that our mindset in every game was no free, no free. And that was because, as we talked about earlier, there was five of the six backs. Played 21s together, played minor together, played 16, played all the way up along. So we might have played in the, all the exact same positions, but like the half-back line was myself, Ryan Hennessy, who would play county under 16, Aidan Lundergan, who's a very good footballer, very good hurler. David Quirk was one of the cornerbacks with Vinnie Downey. Robert O'Brien was there as well. So I think we defended in numbers. We hunted, we hurried, we didn't give away freeze. And I think when we played that county final, that's probably maybe won it for us. We also had John Grady in goal, who was probably the elder statesman of the back line at that stage. I'm um, sure he spoke to you. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, he never showed up, really. <laughs> <laughs> he kept shouting at me. John would always tell you, I hate this fucking football. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, he bought off two great saves that day. Michael, with you, are now going to go to midfield. You just mentioned John McGrady. He was usually our midfielder, and that year he retired. And then he came out of retirement and decided to be a goalie, never thinking he'd win a county final. It's funny how things happen. We all have our different opinions. James Chalky Walsh, 
in that match was immense for us because he won every kick out. What did he bring to that team? A cool head. It was an amazing thing, a cool with a lot of young guys, but he was so calm and so cool. He never looked flustered and he just passed the ball, moved it and just had a very cool head. Could set up the forwards, could help the backs when they were in trouble. An immense player. A serious athlete. Yeah, beside him was Ger Luby, full of energy. You couldn't ever accuse him of being cool, calm and collected. He was probably none of those things. <laughs> But he, heart and soul, was in it, to be fair to him. They were complete opposites, but it worked. John, you were one of the forwards. Talk to me about your colleagues up there. Yeah, I mean, again, I was uh, the older guy up there. I mean, at that stage, I was 32, 33. And then you had Trevor Downey was there. I actually babysitted Trevor. That shows you how old I felt at the time. Eddie Walsh was there. He was after coming back and playing with us. In a, and me and Eddie, throughout the year, had uh, kind of swapped positions a bit, you know, either the full or went out the wing. Tom Shelley, a relation of mine, was in the corner and another relation than Liam Sherlock, which is actually a cute move because Liam would have been always a wing back. And I think he came back into the club only a year or two before that because he was way up country and overseas. If James had attacked with the ball, James was a great athlete, would have left the space, Liam covered him behind him. Ger Luby was great as well, but sometimes Ger liked to go off on big runs, so Liam was always held that middle. And then we had Joe Hennessy. Joe was an absolute fabulous footballer. You could argue himself and Ryan were probably even too good for us because they went on and played senior football above in Dublin at the time. I'm not sure that one of the boys were in the county up there. The four Hennessy brothers involved in the whole squad from the race course, a great footballing family. You know, but the two boys, I mean, Mac was talking about Ryan, but Joe was another kind of a, a mini-me of James an athlete uh, mightn't be as physical uh, but a lovely lovely footballer and he opened up a lot of runs for us inside and made it easy for me Tom and um, Trevor at times I didn't ask Michael Fanning what did it mean to the parish when they won the county title oh it meant everything it absolutely it captured the imagination every man woman and child was inside and feather that day the funny thing is what I felt more than anything was shattered we had played two county football finals and a hurling final in three weeks plus a match every single week trained three nights a week it was exhausting but it was thanks for god we won it because we were shattered after it that's the truth my great memories of it was that Mick Frawley that made the presentation and he said it just brings out how important the GA is to the smallest little places in the county or in the country. The more really stuck with me that, you know, how important the GA is to the small little villages. And I'm sure Mark really enjoyed the celebrations also. Driving in from Cashel, I think there was bonfires coming in a lot. This is brilliant, absolutely amazing. We walked up along and we stood outside the graveyard and we said a prayer and it was, but you know, it was just emotion, I think it was huge that night, but it was, yeah, brilliant. Michael, outside the cemetery, it's time to remember the people that had passed on. Absolutely. And at that stage, we had had a meal behind us and a few drinks, but Willie O'Grady said of prayers. And we marched down the road to Danzies, and there was a huge crowd there. And the celebrations were done all night, and way past into the next day. Yeah, there's no doubt. John, did you enjoy the celebrations? Probably not on the night, because I was shattered. I remember I was taken off at about three minutes to go, and the legs were just gone. And I think, like Michael, it was like a relief from go back to the year before and playing three county finals and semi-finals and it was just the sheer relief but the crowd that was there I mean to be fair to Cashin the crowd that came out from Cashin to support us involved with the King Carmen but the amount of goodwill we had from West Tipperary that year because I think the sense of wrong from the year before they just drove us I mean there was, there was lads there from Hollyford from Aero I remember Pat Fox was standing behind the goals roaring us on maybe he was thinking of that night where we all came back into his place but he had to be seen I think for me definitely stopping at the graveyard was a very big thing because we all had people 
belonged to us, buried in there, who had made the club through the bad times and, and had made sacrifices. The boys were the younger lads, and I'm thinking of all the older lads that played in West Finals and got beaten, and played in maybe in semi-finals and got beaten. And this was kind of the combination of all, all of that. And I think just a sheer relief. And I think maybe two or three days later, it kind of sank in. Yeah, as the lad said there, you know, stopping at the graveyard and saying the prayers and marching up to the village. We had that cup, that county cup with us that night. That's what mattered, you know. It was brilliant to take it into Denzies and see loads of children as well outside with their flags, you know, blue and white everywhere. It was a winter's night in December and to see all them youngsters out with the flags and a lot of them are now playing for us at the moment. And it's back to Michael Fanning again. There was one other great night we had when... It was in 89, a long time previous to this, but I have to tell you, we beat Cashel in the semi-final, and it was the de facto final, because Glengarry were in the final. So we beat Cashel in 89 in the final, and when we went across the road to the Golden Vale long ago, there was the Bonner brothers with the McCarthy Cup. They had just won in All-Ireland. So we commandeered the McCarthy Cup after beating Cashel, so I think that was one of our best nights. It was our best moments. That's right, I remember that. Yeah, that was a good night. And it's back to Pat Cummins once again as he recalls when John Chalky Walsh was taken off with three minutes to go in the county final. Yes, yeah, John said uh, he was taken off with three minutes to go. And but John, why was he taken off? Yeah, because what was he doing? Uh, John Hennessy came on and scored a point. And what, <laughs> and what was all the shouts behind us in the stand? What was he doing on the sideline all day and that fell off? It's a high jump. Well, you know, Pat has his own version, but I was probably carrying the team at the time, Stevie, you know, for the last 15 years. How did you feel when you were coming off? As Eamon Dunphy would say, tired and emotional I was. Yeah, the legs were gone. I think I got winded by one of the boys. I got a rabbit punch, and that was me done. Pecky looked at me, he says, you're coming. I says, I am. It going back on the controversy part of it, probably the biggest controversy was at the start of the game when the selectors did decide on changing the team. Fellas were dropped. Obviously, we were upset about it, but we had the county title in the end, and, you know, that was the proof is in the pudding. even on that, Am I right saying James didn't play this in the semi-final and Packy played him straight in the county final. It was a big call to make, like switching me out and Eddie in. The big calls were made and I think that's why the respect was there for the management team. But it worked in the end. Well, we, as Mark said, we have a county, of course lads were left out. But, you know, lads were left out all through the year. I remember, I mean, Fintan Ryan was going well in training, but unfortunately he didn't start the finals, you know, and, and that's just the way it goes. Were you ever sent off? <laughs> no, actually, Steve. I was never caught. Would you have been a cute man? Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. I suppose the other three boys would probably answer better for me. Hey, I was never the referee. I know where he'd be if I was. I remember you were the referee one time. Would you have sent him off in various games? No, but I had the pleasure of taking him off. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say about John, he was probably the fastest, slowest man. I ever played football with. I don't know, his speed of thought was brilliant, but you get out to any ball before anyone, no matter who it was. But uh, yeah, fastest, slowest man. Michael, the Munster Championship against Finog. To be honest, going down, we didn't know what we were up against, but we weren't long finding out. We got the first score, Tom Shelley got a goal. I don't think we scored again. It turned out Finog had Paul Galvin, Eamon Breen, and Eamon Fitzmaurice of the Kerry senior team. They were still on the team. 14 out of 15 had played for Kerry. They were brilliant. And Jimmy Deenahan was the manager. 
and had a great chat with him afterwards. I have great memories of that game because we were never going to win. And if you're going to lose, you may as well lose to the best team in the country. They won the All-Ireland. They walked it. And if I remember, they, they gave a couple of teams some bad beatings. The first three legs out had about 12 or 14 medals between them. Paul Galvin was the thousandth All-Star that year. So they just won the All-Ireland. So that just shows you how, like when you Paul Galvin centre forward, Eamon Fitzmaurice centre back, you know, you have a good backbone of a team. And actually on that, I was only born about 10 miles away from Fanoog in Listol. So it, uh, it was bittersweet for me going back home. Pat? Yeah, she would win nothing here without somebody to carry blood anyway. <laughs> Stevie, as I said, I'm in Labour Ward. I had much more bigger matches to, to be looking after that day. My little boy Ross was born. Well, so we'd also like to thank him, we can never forget the work that went into it and Pat Cormack, former chairman, he was a selector. John Welsh and Cool Mine was a selector with myself and Pat. Pat, you had had an awful lot to do with it. And he heard about us as well. So in a small club, you won't get one job, you'll get five jobs to do. So much work goes on with a small group that we had and like Dennis Manton and Teddy Gould and people like that before us, they did the groundwork. That can never be forgotten. And now there's new people taking it up and the boys here beside me that were players then, they're now doing their little bit and everybody does their bit. So our club has gone from strength to strength. Just like to compliment everybody, you know, that was back 17 years ago, hard to believe now, but you know, we have wonderful people just continuing the club on. We have uh, fine new facilities out there now. It's, you know, at that time we had a big hill in the field, now it is state-of-the-art level field and we have a full-size Astro here. Just like to thank everybody in the community that, you know, everybody contributed one way or the other and that's so important. No family didn't, you know, and... We wouldn't have it only for that. We have a wonderful juvenile club here as well, and the chairman is Philip Flynn, and secretary is John Simon or the wire. Uh, he played for Cashew. It's wonderful to see them people getting involved. Uh, Philip and Matt Garrity, another great member here, comes up and lines the field there every few weeks. Different people cut the grass. Eamon Lonergan, Willie O'Grady, another great stalwart of the club, comes up there tidying up and things. And, great ladies involved now too at juvenile level. Hopefully the club will continue to flourish. Just some of our sponsors, Connor and Teresa Downey, they sponsored the set of jerseys a few years ago. Lane Cummins, Rose Green Rascals, they sponsored the set of jerseys there last year for us. Tony Cockerton sponsored the set of juvenile jerseys and we run a 100 euro, 200 members in a confined drawing. Michael is a great promoter. Everybody gives their hundred euros, which is wonderful to keep the club going. We also run a Cheltenham thing there, Jack Burke, Richie Cochran is our treasurer, and John O'Grady on the Cheltenham things. And a big thank you once again to Pat Cummins, Michael Fanning, John Chalky Walsh and Mark Harness. That's all we have time for this week, folks. Thanks again to Stevie and Francis and also Tipperary Midwest Radio for the use of the audio. Huge thank you to Michael Fanning, Pat Cummins, John Walsh and Mark Harnett for their contributions and we wish Rose Green all the best in 2021. In the next episode, we'll look back on Golden's glorious year of 1982. Until next time, Tibber Dorn Boo.